One, two, three. Do it. Oh, Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 30. No way. Right, all right, coming back in for another edition of the Scolders Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Broadmarkle. With me, as always, my cohort, partner in crime, twins, and wild fan I see on the screen here, Mike Anderson. How are you doing tonight, Mike? Doing well. Doing well. A little bit better than the twins did this uh, this recent couple of games, eh? Yeah, the pitching didn't exactly come through here on the back end of those games, did it? No, but, uh, you know, sometimes that happens. And uh, that's a whole different podcast, Mike. We can't get into that. That's that's a topic unto unto itself. Right, right. So we got the Vikings playing on Friday. Um, by the time you guys are hearing this, that'll be tomorrow. So we're gonna preview that a little bit later in the show. However, we gotta start with the breaking news, Mike. Breaking headline here: Out of the Raiders camp, Antonio Brown went to Paris and got some frostbite. In a cryo chamber because, of course, he did. Yeah, apparently did not wear the correct footwear or wear any footwear. I guess. Like, I just, how how does that happen, Mike? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, you know, Raiders fans, should... I feel for you, man. It's just weird. And they're not announcing the severity, right? But apparently. He tweeted out a picture of his feet, like recently that they were blistered up, um, which I guess is probably a good thing, right? I'm not a medical professional, but I believe that that's maybe a form of healing, right? Right, but here's the thing, though: like the skin on your feet, if you've ever torn up your feet, right, that skin doesn't harden and get ready to go right away. It takes time to get back to the the previous like kind of semi callous state, right? Right. So if your entire whole foot is in that state, it's it's brand new skin there, and you have to recondition that skin, that is going to be potentially be a nagging injury all year long for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I I really don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that evolves because, you know, you're right. He's such a great route runner. He's he relies on you know cuts, precision, and you know does does Oakland now have like how does that work financially because. He was, I think, I heard in France doing this on his own. Yeah. Like, did do they have an out now? Can they? I think technically they do because that's non-football injury. So they, I think, they could technically not pay him portion of his salary. But I mean, if it was obviously at the team facility and he was being monitored, I would assume then. Yeah, that, then that, I think the team takes liability. But yeah, God, it's. <laughs> Oh, the Raiders never disappoint. And they're on Hard Knocks, too. I haven't watched it yet, but, um, God, that's got to be just the hilarious episode of Hard Knocks coming up on there. Yeah, I, I'm i excited to <laughs> I'm excited to see how it plays out. But we knew they were going to be an entertaining team, right? And not necessarily all the time on the football field. Right. They're going to be an entertaining team off the football field as well. Right, you have Brown, you have, what is it, Pac-Man? Those two are on the same team? Well, and then, I mean, you look at just ownership, head yeah. coach, uh, 
it'll be, and we get them, right? We get them week three. So potentially an impact for the Vikings, actually. It could be if that's, like I said, if that's an injury that lags longer than, than anyone's thinking, or, or even if he's just not 100% at his, his top form, it's a huge boost to the Vikings heading into that matchup. So, yeah, it's definitely something to watch, but gosh, man, it's that's just an interesting interesting thing that I don't think I've I don't think I'll ever see a headline like that again in the NFL. You you wouldn't think so, but then again, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Who knows, man. All right. Anyway, Vikings got a game on Friday. Let's do a little camp update, Mike. I know there's it's kind of hard to to really dig in too hard in some of these topics with the camp um there's only so much you can talk about. They're, they're practicing. They're not at full speed. You know, they're not allowed to full tackle. But um, we have a couple little tidbits that we've seen. Uh, first topic here, kind of Vikings defense-wise. Um, Zimmer was getting after the boys. They weren't really performing too well. You know, is that, uh, is, is that, is that the defense regressing because of age? Or what's, what's going on there, you think? Uh, yeah, I think this is a combination of things, right? So you have... You have training camp. You have guys like us that uh, kind of, you know, do this for a hobby, do it for passion, do it for a living. You know, you have football people around the country that are at training camp. They're watching things. They're creating stories out of um, what goes on on a daily basis. And yet, right. you nailed it. A lot of times, it's walkthroughs. It's it's uh, there's no pads. There there's limited plays. There's um, major components of offenses and defensive that or defenses that are not playing um a lot of times the playbooks aren't being fully utilized or i should say really ever are being fully utilized so i think a lot of this might just be speculation um you know media making more out of it than there is but to go back to talking about the defense regressing i do think they're going to take a small step back this year and by small i, I really mean going from uh, maybe a top three to five defense to more of a top seven to nine defense. And okay. I'm not concerned about that. I think I think this offense is going to take a, a pretty substantial step forward. Uh, health, you know, obviously knock on wood. But uh, I think that just having Kubiak, having Stefanski, having these players – you know, kind of get a year together last year with Cousins, a hopefully healthy Delvin and improved offensive line. Um, I just think this offense is really going to take it to the next level, and we're going to start to see a little bit of a shift to where that's what's going to be winning us football games. And the defense is just going to need to do enough, and I think they will. I think they'll step up in enough games. So, I mean, to kind of answer your question, I think you might see a minor step back defensively. Would love if that wasn't the case, but again, I don't think it's going to be too substantial that uh, it's anything to be concerned about at this point in time. Right, so, so more or less what, what your position is, is yeah, you think the defense is getting older and slower, but if the offense is clicking like it should, we, we're not going to need to hold opponents to sometimes low single or low double digits to single digit points to, to put up a W. Exactly, exactly. Gotcha. Okay. Um, one thing I did want to circle back on, you mentioned about the installs not necessarily being fully open, but does that necessarily apply to this defense? Meaning that, I mean, you have almost every single starter returning, you have all the coaching returning, so that's that's where I think some of the concern might be is there's so much continuity there, and if you're struggling now, 
is that really a bad sign for the defense or pivoting? Is that a really good sign for the offense? Well, you know, and I get, trust me, I, I understand that. I understand the speculation piece. I just, I, I think back to last year when the defense was struggling early on in the season. And um, I, I can't remember if it was Zimmer or who came out and basically said that, uh, you know, every couple of years that essentially the offenses around the league learn how to um, overcome good defensive schemes. So look at the Rams game, you know, it, it was a shootout, right? And, and those were, there were just some games in there where we're like, what defense is this? And Zimmer said they changed the philosophy. Or I shouldn't say philosophy, but they had to change what they're doing um, really kind of early, middle of last season. And I think that maybe coming into this year, you know, you're, you're, you're taking that evolved defense and you're adding in some new elements. So even though this, this core uh, defensive unit has been around together for some time, um, there might be some new things going on. We've talked on the previous podcast, I think, about how we'd like to see Barr utilized in some unique, unique packages um, a little bit more. And, uh, you know, you're missing a couple guys in the middle right now, too, that are sitting out a lot of things. So, again, I'm not... I don't think there's there's anything to really be overblown here. I think there's a lot of moving pieces going on, and you know maybe we're just fishing for a story in early August. When in reality, talk to me a month from now and let's see how that defense comes out to play, because we do get some pretty good offenses uh, week one and two with Atlanta and Green Bay. So you mentioned a little bit with Barr, maybe his role changing a little bit. What do you see as potential different wrinkles? I mean, last year. We started out the season playing a lot of curse in that money backer type role, um, and obviously, you know, I think the plan was for Barr with the Jets at least to kind of do a lot more of that rushing from the edge. Do we see a lot of that happening, or is that kind of that's still going to be a situational type of thing for for Zimmer? I think it's definitely going to be situational, right? Um, you know, especially in the division. I think uh, Rogers. What they they usually bring the stat up year after year that Rogers uh, continuously struggles against Zimmer. Um, I, I think it's it's going to depend on the mobility of the quarterbacks. You know, obviously, you need to game plan a little bit differently with a Patrick Mahomes, a Russell Wilson, uh, versus you know maybe you know a Matt Ryan and and some some of those guys that maybe don't like to scramble. But yet we do have guys that I would say fall in between with the Trubisky's. Um, a, a healthy Aaron Rodgers tends to uh, get outside and, and make a couple of big plays with the legs, um, you know, and, and yet you have other guys that are, you know, slipping my mind at the moment, but um, that don't really run a lot. So I think that edge pressure is really going to be a week to week, um, week to week uh, game plan. But things that I'm looking at is the cornerbacks, right? And especially early in the season, we've got. Uh, kind of an unknown in Mike Hughes and the unknown for me is just is he going to be ready to go out there early on we know Holton Hills is not going to be available Uh, so immediately we're getting a little thin and you know you might say well we still got you know we've got three or four guys that we feel all right in but what happens if you one of those guys you know tweaks something and you have to have another player come in against the Matt Ryan against Aaron Rodgers all of a sudden you know, you might be targeting a rookie player that's never been in a spot like that, and it, it can create a big problem. Right, absolutely. And, and I think you nailed it there with Holton Hill being off the roster basically until week nine. Um, we don't quite know exactly where 
Hughes is, I mean, it's a good sign that he's, he's still in the pup and he potential has a chance to come off of that before regular season starts. But, I mean, you're looking at, you got Rhodes, you got Waynes, you got Mac Alexander. Who else behind that do you trust? That's that's uh, been, it's been long term in, in the system. I mean, <laughs> you, you want to sparingly yeah. use J. Ron Curse because he's kind of one of your backup safeties, so you don't want to slot him in as a cornerback because um, then right. you're playing the safety too. Right, and I mean, Curse is is who comes to mind, and and you know from there it's like, is it going to be the rookie that's that steps up? You know, um, that's that's kind of my concern. I you know I know you said wrinkles. Um, to me, the only I don't even know if wrinkle is the right term, right? But the only thing that I'm kind of keeping an eye on here over the course of the next uh, month or so, and, and honestly, if you're listening to this, Vikings play tomorrow, and you're asking us, and maybe that's something that we can cover here, uh, you know, towards the end of the show, what are some things that you could watch for as a Vikings fan that might actually be impactful um, as we get closer and closer to the regular season, even tomorrow night? You know, that, that would be something I would say, to definitely keep an eye on, watch the corner play, um, see who's out there, see if anyone stands out a little bit, because I think they're going to have to take a real close look at some of those uh, players that are, you know, four, five, six deep on that depth chart right now. Absolutely. Um, pivoting to one thing that I know we're both excited about, the offense this year. Um, yeah. A lot, a lot of stuff changing. You got Garrett Bradbury being drafted, which kicks Elfline out to left guard. You got a new right guard and Josh Klein coming in. A um, whole bunch of investment on the offense with uh, Irv Smith Jr. being drafted as, as basically your second pass catching tight end. Uh, you got a, a couple young guys in Chad Beebe, um, Dylan Mitchell, who hasn't had a great camp, but he, he's still there. Um, you know, a couple of these, these nice wide receivers that have a chance to get up to that wide receiver three or four range. And then you got year two with Kirk Cousins and hopefully a system that will utilize, uh, you know, a Delvin Cook more to take the pressure off him. What kind of we, what should we be looking for here? That that's really exciting to you, Mike, for for this Vikings offense. Well, I mean, I think we've we've talked about it probably too much, but I'm most excited for Delvin Cook. Um, I think that he has potential to be, you know, a top three running back. Uh, in the NFL this year. I think he's going to have the opportunity for the workload, both on the ground and through the air. And if he can stay healthy, I think a lot of Vikings fans are going to be surprised at the year that he could have. Um, outside of that, I'm I'm really excited. You know, you just went through a whole list of players. We're talking about this new offense, Cousins getting comfortable, the health of Dalvin, a new line, a new tight end in Irv Smith. No one's talking about Diggs and Thielen for the most part. And you've got two guys that are still pretty young, pretty much in the prime of their career. And, you know, they're kind of flying under the radar a little bit, right? At least they are. I feel like they are to me. Um, And that's exciting, too, because I know that they're going to come out and and they're poised for big seasons as well. And uh, it's it's just there's not really anything that I'm not excited about for on this offense this year. Um, you know, you talk about the O-line, and I know that's your side of the, kind of your area, if you will, on this side of the ball. And um, I'm just excited to see the chemistry. I'm hoping I can see a few snaps here on Friday and then just watch that evolve. And I know you've stressed how important chemistry is and how important, um, you know, having that coach is. And, and those are a couple of things mm-hmm. that we're hoping to have this year. So, um 
I don't know. What What about you? I mean, what are you looking at right now? What are you looking at tomorrow night? Um, anybody you're watching close? Well, there's one guy on the field, on the offense on the field, that touches the ball no matter no matter what in every single play. Setter, right? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at uh, my guess is if I was a betting man, I'd, I'd bet that the entirety of the first string offensive line is going to play a significant amount of snaps. You think like, so? Like a lot more than than uh, Diggs and Thielen and Kirk Cousins will play. Because okay. they know they got a rookie coming in there, they got a brand new configuration. They got um, Elfline at a new position. They have Klein coming in there, and he's learning the system. They want to develop that chemistry. And I've said this before. I don't know how many times. How many times um, on an offensive line, the the sum of the whole can be greater than the individual parts. Yep. So as a unit, you can operate at a much more effective level than each individual player can on their own. And, and that's just that's built with trust and that's built with just time together and uh, battling through, you know, battling through adversity to use a cliche, right? So I, I think we're going to see a, a lot of snaps from, from uh, Bradbury. And the hope there is that you see him don't get overwhelmed when he's against first-team defenders. Yep. So that's, that's what I'm going to be looking for mostly. I think a lot of the offensive starters that, that we're excited about, the Cook, you know, the Theo and those guys, I don't think they're going to see a ton of play that's going to be meaningful. So the trenches don't change no matter what you're doing. So look, that's that's where I'm looking. I'll be okay. looking there all game. What what about? Um, well, I mean, we're we're rolling right into it, right? I mean, uh, unless you got anything on the offensive changes side of the ball, I think where we kind of moving into preseason game one here preview. We'll get there in a second, Mike, after this break. We're going to take a quick little break, and we'll come right back into the the preseason game one against the Saints. All right, we're back, Mike. We're talking preseason game one. When the Vikes go marching in, Vikings at Saints. Um, uh, Start this one out, Mike. I don't don't know how I feel about this, man. I don't know how I feel about this. The Vikings defense is going to be hitting Teddy. Yeah. Well, maybe you know, who knows? Yeah, maybe they, maybe they won't touch him. I don't know. I don't know. How do we feel about boy Teddy, Mike? I'm excited to watch Teddy. You know, you know me. Uh, arguably, my favorite player when he was here. Um, I think a lot of a lot of fans love Teddy and still do, and and it's just great to see him get an opportunity to still be in the league and see his career, um, you know, extend. Uh, past what you know that that unfortunate injury to say the least uh that that happened a few years ago and and you know who knows how long breeze has left um and and also keep in mind that if he's the guy right behind breeze and something happens he's walking into you know a very prolific offense and a team that has super bowl aspirations this year so um, i I expect yeah, I expect a high level of play from Teddy, and I'm I'm excited to want to watch him again. I mean, I mean, just just to that point, if Breeze does go down for you know whatever reason, you look at him. He's got Kamara to throw to. He's got Michael Thomas. He's got a bunch of weapons. A really solid offensive line. I mean, I don't think there's a better position, and I hate to say it, but I don't think there's a better coaching situation for him to be in um, to try to de- continue to develop his career. I think he's almost in the perfect spot. Um, to further develop where he wants to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree that he's he's in a great spot. 
Um, I think, you know, there's a story that came out this week that said he's one of the biggest leaders in that locker room um, and a guy that the teammates love. And, and I'm not, no one's surprised by that if you followed Teddy here. So uh, just excited again to see him play football. And uh, I really hope that he's, he's in the NFL for uh, many, many more years and we get an opportunity to watch him hopefully succeed because it's, it's a great story. And just, you know, wish him the best still, uh, even though he's not, he's not a member of of the Purple and Gold anymore. Absolutely. Um, and I know there's there's a bunch of haters out there, but I just want you to know that, you know, he's off our team. You don't have to be a hater anymore and, unless we're playing against him, all right? Like, just let it go, man. We, we can love him, and it's fine. You don't have to love him, but we can love him, and it's fine. I got his jersey. I'm still going to wear that with pride every, every now and again. Because you know what? He's my boy. Hey, Teddy. Hey, Teddy. You know? There you go. Moving on to a couple other departures that went straight from Minnesota to basically Minnesota South, a.k.a. New Orleans. Marcus Sherrills. Marcus Sherrills. How many years, or do you think it's happening this year, do you think that it's going to take before the Saints are in the same position as every Vikings fan for the last five years of, will Sherrills make the <laughs> roster, will he not? <laughs> I, it's, that's a great question, and I'm just, uh, I'm happy that I don't have to, you know, pay close attention to that this year. Um, you know, it's it's just, it's off my plate, so. Yeah. No, it, Tying this back to the Vikings, you think that uh, letting Charles walk, you think that was more of a move that was directed by uh, Marwan Malouf? Like, basically to kind of clean the slate and say, like, okay, no, we, we want to try to go a different way with how we're doing this stuff? Or is that just more of a simple economics thing where we couldn't justify um, paying that much money just for a pure returner based on the other contracts we need to carry? Yeah, I think that um, they couldn't justify the cost and especially with the depth that they, you know, at the time we probably thought we had, uh, you know, I don't know if Hill's suspension had necessarily been announced, at least the, obviously the second one certainly had not. But, um, you know, I don't know that there was a lot of trust for Sherrill's in an emergency role to come in and play as a defensive back either. So when you talk about being mm-hmm. a pure special teams player and a team that's been needing to, uh, pay extreme close attention to the cap with some of the other contracts that they brought on. I, I just don't think that financially it made sense to keep him here. Yeah, I tend to agree, and because there's there's a whole lot that changes with punt returning. So um, I guess I can answer my own question, but you know what? That's how it goes sometimes. Um, last one here, Latavius Murray. Latavius. L train man, I mean, he, I think he crushed it for us while I was here, um, picking up after Delvin went down. Uh, I think he did a phenomenal job. Um, so again, wish him the best, except not when we're playing him, but wish him the best over there in in, uh, in New Orleans. We obviously were not going to pay him as much as he got there. So I don't think there's much more to say here unless you got something else to add there. No, I mean Latavius, I think you nailed it. Like. It couldn't have got any better, really, in his time here. Uh, he was great running back, great mentor, and you know it just it worked out extremely well. And I think you look at Cheryl's, you look at Teddy, you look at you look at Latavius Murray. Um, all those guys, right, had a pretty good run here at times. And um, you know it'll be it'll be cool to watch them on the other side of the field. It's always 
I shouldn't say always, but a lot of times when you see players that go on and are able to get more money and succeed elsewhere, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily bother me unless it's one of the real high-end guys that, you know, spurns you on the way out. But I think Murray, Sherrill's Teddy have only had the nicest things to say about Minnesota and his fans. Um, So, yeah, I I can't wait for Friday night for um, a variety of reasons, but these three are definitely a a part of it. And I I think I really like how you put that because it's – it's, I think it's important when a player leaves, if they leave in the right way where you don't instantly hate them, it's very easy to root for them and to root and just say, yeah, go get your bag, go get your money. Yeah. You know, yeah. We couldn't do it because our team's moving in a different direction, but you know, you're really good here, you're really good for the community, and you know, love you. We'll, you know, see you maybe down the road, but good luck to you. Um, yep. So we talked about already before the break, what I was looking for in the preseason game, what position group or specific player, if there is one, are you looking for in the, in the, the preseason game that we should be aware of? Uh, some guys, I mean, I think you talked about it, right? The, the offensive line as a whole, um, I'll be wanting to watch. I am excited to watch uh, Dylan Mitchell, hopefully. You know, I know one of the first shows we did this year, I was really excited about him. And, uh, you know, I don't know that he's necessarily fulfilled the expectations of, to the level that I was hoping at this point. I'm not saying that, um, you know, they haven't had flashes. I've seen a couple of, of nice catches that he's made, uh, especially here this week. So I'm excited to watch him, mostly because of the interest that right after that draft pick. Uh, definitely excited to check out Irv Smith um, Jr. And, and, you know, see how he looks, uh, see the mobility there. Hopefully he gets a couple chances. Uh, to make some plays and then also like we already touched on the cornerbacks uh, i want to see those guys that are coming in you know I, i'm not sure if, if the starters you know i, I don't know how much you're going to get out of um, you know the players you already mentioned in, in Rhodes, waynes uh, alexander you know i would assume they'll get a little bit of playing time but excited to see who comes in after that and uh i don't know it i like watching the defense in the preseason and i don't know if that's weird or if maybe maybe it's not but I always enjoy watching the defensive players because I just I feel like you can you can see the individual efforts of <clears throat> of them giving their all on every single play, right? The guys right. that are coming in that are just they're literally playing to make a team to fulfill their dream. Uh, you just see an all-out effort, and and it's I don't know. People ask how I'm able to watch full preseason games, and it's like, well, look at these guys out there. I mean, there's so much on the line for some of these players. Um, I don't know. I think if you put that into, if you have that mindset and you realize, um, you know, what's going on actually on the field, then it's a little bit easier to watch out there and enjoy it. Right. And to that point, so to me, like the defense, when you're in preseason mode, you're not, you're not really scheming against a team. Basically the entire defense at that point is purely reacting, right? That's all they're, that's all they're doing at that point. Yeah. Is is it's they're they're being put in a rough position. They're purely reacting, and it's it's how quickly can you react? How quickly can you identify what's going on? How quickly can uh, you get there and make the play? And like you said, like one of my favorite games is preseason game three and four. Not necessarily three, but more or less four, because four is where um, you see all those guys. Like there's no starters playing, so you see everyone else that's battling for the roster, and you can just you can just see, like you said, you can see them putting everything they have into it. Because for some of those guys, it's going to be the last time they're going to play on an NFL team. Just the reality right. of it. 
And for some of those, they're going to make a couple really nice plays that just barely puts them on the edge of the 53. And I, I think there's there's something very visceral about that. Um, yeah. So, absolutely, a couple guys more that I think I, uh, I'll be watching is also in the trenches. Um, Jalen Holmes and Jaleel Johnson. Now, Jaleel, the last couple of years, we've seen good things from him in preseason, but it ne- hasn't necessarily translated into playing time in the regular season. So I'm looking for kind of that transition to see more play time and maybe you can take some snaps off of um, like Linval, who's getting up there in age and, you know, just kind of keep him a little bit fresher. Uh, Jalen Holmes, I think he was originally a DE who they're trying out at uh, tackle. So kind of see how he develops there. And one spot that I don't think has been touched on a lot by us or some other coverage units is defensive end is actually kind of thin right now with uh, Tashawn Bauer going down. Um, so kind of seeing who we have beyond the obvious choices of Steven Weatherly and, you know, a couple of those other guys that are that have been here for a while. Who's after them and, and where did they fit into the puzzle? Right. So that's that's kind of what I'm looking for is just kind of trench battles. And, you know, that's me. I'm an offensive line guy. That's that's where, that's where it all lives and dies. Um, but, uh, yeah, anything else we want to – Think about the preview here to the, the Saints game. Maybe do a little score prediction here. Any, any, any other topics you want to hit here? Uh, I mean, I can throw out random numbers if you'd like, but no, I think that wraps up the, the preseason game for me. What's your score prediction? Oh, let's go. Uh, 20 to 21. Who's winning? Vikings like, winning? And then we went on a field goal? Nope. Nope. We just we uh, we maintain the three extra points from Bailey. I think I'm gonna go I'm gonna go fourteen to twenty three Saints. Okay. Preseason games are weird. I don't think we're gonna win the first one. I don't know why, but I just don't think we're gonna do it. Um Real quick, before we get into the last topic I wanted to hit today, request from a coworker to ask you this question: Why is it so hard to find a decent NFL kicker? Go. Well, I think it depends on your definition of decent, right? Um, Not missing chip shot field goals to the left. Well, listen. At the end of the day, here's the thing: a lot of not every kicker is perfect, right? Um, there's I'd like one to get close. There's been times where we've had kickers that finish eighth overall in the course of a year, and you, if you went and asked any typical Minnesota fan, they think he's absolutely terrible. So, I mean, Minnesota has this this mindset that they expect perfection out of field goal kickers, and it's just not a reality. So, I mean, there's what? There's a Justin Tucker. Um, there's, there's a couple guys in the league that are real close to automatic. But then I think you have kind of this fall off, this giant pool of kickers where, uh, you know, they're, you know, they're they're going to make most of them. But at times they might miss an extra point. At times they might miss a thirty-one yarder. Okay. But they're they're also going to go on a roll for times. Um, and and for me, they need to make the clutch kicks. And again, I felt that last year, Bailey made the kicks when we needed him to make it. Okay. So here's my other question. Then here's my other question. Why are you not on board yet with my idea that we should not roster a kicker? 
No, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> terrible idea. I think it's a great idea, Mike, because the Vikings historically have been destroyed by kickers in the playoffs and, and deep runs of, of the playoffs. So why don't you just eliminate that possibility and just you're either going to do it without a kicker or you're not going to do it at all? I, I don't know. I just think that we've had you know a few guys that were a bad run, but there's been some, some clutch kicking at times as well. Even going back to um, you know the Minnesota Miracle game, there were some clutch kicks there that, that ultimately kept us in it to have that play happen. Uh, and I just I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised this year at how Mr. Bailey kicks. All right, if you say so, I will believe you for now. All right. Last topic I wanted to get to here, and uh, this is really brought about by um, Michael Thomas's contract he just got, which I think is something absolutely ridiculous. Um, what was it? Nineteen million a year, nineteen and a quarter million a year. Um, highest paid wide receiver. No. Great, fine, well-deserved. Totally agree with that, all right? Where would you place Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs in the ranking of wide receivers, roughly? I mean, overall? Yeah. Like, definitely not, probably not top five? No, I would say that they're probably going to fall in that five to, uh, I mean, top of my head, it's tough here, five to 12 range. Okay. Here's my point there with that. We were able to secure Stefan Diggs on a long-term deal for $14.4 million a year. And Adam Thielen for 16 point Right. Michael Thomas just got 19 and a quarter. And these guys are locked in until Adam Thielen until 2025. Stefan Diggs till 2024. That's absolutely insane to me. And these guys' dead money is dead like next year. Right. I don't know how our front office continues to make deals like this that, that are such team-friendly and keep these guys happy. But So now when Stefan Diggs, when we gave him that contract, we paid him $14.4 million on average. We could have paid him a lot more if he would have asked for it. And I think he was perfectly in the right to ask for more than what he got. So to me, it's like this front office just goes and they get these guys for so cheap. And i got a couple examples we'll go through again. But it's like... How do we, how do how did we get here? This is just a weird feeling for a Vikings fan to be in, where we're getting these guys at a discount, and they're top end players. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's a wizard. I think that when you look at it, um, is it a combination of the facilities, um, the trust that these guys put in them? You look at some of these players that were late round picks, undrafted. Uh, and they've been brought in, they've been given a chance, they've earned it, and maybe it's a combination of, hey, you know, you did this for me, I'm going to do this for you. Um, I'm not really sure what goes into it. You know, it would be one of the, I think it would be a fun dinner conversation if you could have a night out with, uh, you know, everyone that really had decisions that went into those uh those decisions essentially and um just to see how how they evolved how they happened how close they were to going a different direction and right you know i don't know um so then the other example i wanted to bring up is daniel hunter and everson griffin all right so from a pure edge rusher standpoint where do you think you'd put daniel hunter <coughs> Ooh. 
he's he's high. I mean, okay. But, so so what's enough? A couple you got: Khalil Mack, Demarcus Lawrence, Frank Clark, Von Miller, Trey Flowers, Cameron Jordan, D Ford, Olivier Vernon. He's he's within that group, right? I think so, and I think he'll show that this year. So yeah. Okay. So we've established he's within that group. The lowest paid person in that group is seventeen million. The highest paid is twenty three and a half million a year. All right. We have the Neil Hunter locked in until twenty twenty four, and he is twenty five right now. Okay, he is the youngest of anyone in that group. Sometimes by a large margin. Right. We have him locked in at fourteen point four million, and almost three million less than the lowest paid of that group until twenty twenty four. Everson Griffin is paid 100 k more than that, and he is not that far down the list from where Daniel Hunter is. Right. It's just insane to me that we're able to retain this talent at that kind of a discount. And I, I think, like you said, it's, it's one of those things where I would love to have a conversation or be a fly in the wall when they're actually discussing this kind of stuff and, and actually get a feel for how they're able to, to get these deals done at the, uh, the dollars they are because there's clearly a lot of trust and they, they understand that, hey, we're going to be taken care of early. Like you look at, for instance, Adam Thielen. Now, you've heard me say it on this podcast before if you've been a listener. Um, the deal that he signed took him through, I think, like 2022, right? The last deal he signed. Yeah. In my mind, the Vikings would have been perfectly fine to pay him every dollar of that deal and no more because he signed every single dollar in that page. He knew exactly where it was coming from, and he knew the terms of it and the length of it. However, what the Vikings chose to do is they chose to give him a pay bump because they recognized, hey, you're a pretty dang good receiver. You've developed really well. We're going to reward that early. We don't have to, but we're going to. And I think that's kind of what we see with some of these players, and maybe that's that's one of the major factors that some of these guys are, are looking out for is the Vikings take care of their own early. Like the Neil Hunter, he had a full extra year in his contract when we extended him. And we said, you're crushing it. Here, have some money. You're not going to be the top paid, but we're paying you early. And then we'll pay you early next time if you continue on this trajectory. Yeah. Right. And maybe that's no, enough. I, maybe that's I, all it takes. I don't know. I, we, we won't know, at least. Uh, maybe we'll get lucky, you know. We'll, we'll run into someone some night and uh, we'll have a story to tell, but... Until then, just keep working the magic. Absolutely, they're 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 grand wizards, man. They are grand wizards, that's for sure. Um, they're basically they're Rick Spielman, the White, is in like Gandalf the White, and I don't know Rob Potter. I don't know. <laughs> Words are failing me because they're, they're so magical. Right. They just sprinkle their fairy dust on it and the contracts just appear and players rain from the heavens and soon, maybe soon, Mike, a trophy will be raised. Let's, uh, let's hope it is. Let's hope we're there for it. That's, I, I think that's all we got for tonight, Mike, unless there's any closing thoughts you have coming into well, the Saints game. I think that's good. I think let's let's get to tomorrow night. Or yeah, well, if you're listening to this, let's get to tomorrow night. Uh, let's watch some actual Vikings football. It's, it feels good to say that. I think um, we made it, Mike. We made it. That's gonna jumpstart 
you know, this is really going to start to accelerate. We're going to have more and more to talk about. It's going to become more and more relevant. We're hopefully going to have more and more listeners as we get closer to the season here. Uh, no, it's it's going to be fun. I'm excited. I know you're excited. So um, let's get to tomorrow, baby. Skull. Skull, baby. You firing up the grill? Oh, yeah. All right, I'll be over there. All right, oh, yeah. Skull Bikes, I met in the Mach 7 on the Twitter. Uh, musky underscore Mike. You're probably listening to us on uh, on Daily Norseman, um, so appreciate you there. We're on all kinds of uh, spots there, Slack, Spotify, uh, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, I'm pretty sure we're there. So um, continue to thank you for, for tuning in and listening. And uh, you know what? Till next time, Mike. Skull Bikes. Skull. Cool.